Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christiana, over there. On the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. Uh, first show in a while. Once again, we've both been busy. Um, I would like to say welcome to all of our new listeners that are joining us uh, after seeing Chris on Fergie Jenkins' Instagram story. Um, we love Fergie here. We're big Fergie fans. Uh, we did an entire episode on him a couple of years ago. Uh, so I'm sure, you know, you're here for that. So definitely go check that one out while you're here, but, uh, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to everybody that researched me after, after seeing, after seeing me with, uh, Mr. Ferguson, Mr. Ferguson Jenkins. Uh, yeah, been a, been a pleasure. I have really, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into our topics here, but I have nothing but nice things to say about Wrigley Field. I was surprised at how, I mean, I went in with high expectations and it still exceeded that. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that it's overrated. I don't really see where that's coming from. Um, I went many years ago, six years ago now. um, I saw Jose Quintana start for the Cubs. That's how long ago I went. Um, But no, I loved I loved Wrigley when I went. It was very nice. Um, You know, I mean, it's. Yeah, obviously, it's a very historic ballpark. You know, there's a lot of expectations going in. To me, it lived up to it. Yeah, and it's it's a it's been modernized, but not without the tradition of it taken away. Uh, Mm -hmm. And like, I expected the seats to be smaller. I expected my experience to be a little less comfortable. But you know, and we weren't even in the you know the the bourgeoisie seats. We were in you know we were in the three hundred level. And it was it was very well it was everything was very well kept. So uh shout out to Wrigley Field, definitely near the top of the list. And if I didn't have like the great nostalgia and like you know tradition with Fenway, I might have like Wrigley just top of the list for me. But for Fenway, it's just I have too many memories there. So it takes mm-hmm. it probably takes the top. But um but yeah, um if you <laughs> It's this cool, cool new spot. If you haven't checked it out, Wrigley Field in Chicago, just go check it <laughs> yeah. out. It's pretty. Yeah, trendy. no, it actually it just opened actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very it's, like it's, Instagrammable. Right. Yeah, it's trendy. Mm-hmm. It's very, very earthy, crunchy vibes. Um, go check it mm-hmm. out, at Wrigley Field. All right, yeah. but um, back to uh, back to the topics of the MLB. Um, the the team that was really just taking the world by storm uh you know the first month of the season first couple months of the season you know started the season 29 and 7 uh they have uh, finally been taken down uh you know at the top of the AL East they are now second in the AL East to the Orioles uh but first we'll talk about the the Rays side of it uh as the Rays have gone 3 and 12 in the month of July for the worst record in baseball uh they've they've you know, I think time time sort of caught up with them, but you know, they're just you know they're they're not they're not keeping up, and and now they're uh, now now they're in second place. Yeah, this downfall has 
kind of been quietly happening for quite a while now. The started season 30 and 9, uh, which was obviously just like such an unprecedented start to the season. And since then, I mean, it's kind of been uh, a very slow fall into mediocrity. Uh, they are 30 and 31 in their last 61 games, um, dating back to May 12th. Uh, the Orioles, on the other hand, are 35 and 24 in that span record in the American League. Uh, by half a game over the Texas Rangers. Yeah, I mean, the Rays, yeah, this is, like I said, it's been very quietly happening, but I think it's certainly gotten a lot louder uh, since the month of July started. You know, they've been, uh, you know, they went on like a seven-game losing streak uh, towards the beginning of the All-Star, or towards like before the All-Star break, uh, and they've continued to struggle. They lost to the Orioles last night on the day that we're recording this to to officially drop into sole possession of second place um and yeah i mean what's what chris what have been the uh the biggest reasons for this downfall um it's been it's been their offense specifically in july uh it's been their offense uh in july they have the third worst batting average second worst on base percentage fourth worst slugging and third worst ops and they also have the worst expected slugging and expected woba and uh and you know Individually speaking, uh, Wander Franco is hitting 204 with a 642 OPS. Randy Arozarena uh, is hitting 193 with a 580 OPS and uh, and a 29.5% strikeout rate. And Josh Lowe, who you know was a how about that of mine, really started the season well and was one of those like one of those rays where I was like, this guy's you know putting up a 1,000 OPS. He's definitely come down to earth, especially in the month of July. He is hitting 179 with a 540 OPS and a 37.2% strikeout rate uh, in this month. And that strikeout rate kind of alarms me because one of the things that put him, one of the things that I uh, said in the how about that was that his strikeout rate was, was down significantly. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. You finish your point. Mine's completely different. Um, I, I would actually, I would kind of disagree that, it has been a slow fall over the past, you know, however many games, 61 games, because you mentioned, you know, 30 and 30, 30 and 31 in their last 61. So before July, you know, from that span, from when that span started to when July start to when July started, that means that they've gone, I think 20, uh, was it 27 and 19 in that span which isn't which obviously isn't at the rate that they were you know prior to that obviously you know where they were taking the world by storm as i was saying but maybe it was more of a you know coming back down to earth but still doing really well and maintaining their spot in first place i I have to i would have to double check to see like how many games they were ahead by heading into july because i mean it's I, i think it's really all just been happening in this month because the orioles have also gotten hot in this month they've won 10 of their last 12 and i think we're going to get into them a little bit later but um but i think it's really been over this past month but yeah what what were what were you gonna what were you gonna chime in with well there is something that's been legitimately a concern for two months not even like a it's been specifically bad here but just generally fine the rest of the way uh it's their bullpen you know over the last uh you know however many years that the rays have been like a very a perennially very good team they've been kind of associated by having a good bullpen right I mean the stable was like 
there in 2020 and 2021 as well. But uh, it's been kind of non-existent over the span since going back to May 12th, which is the span in which they are 30 and 31. Uh, their bullpen has the fourth lowest F war in the major leagues. They're only ahead of the Angels, the Mets, and the Nationals in this span. Uh, they have a 431 bullpen ERA, a 463 FIP, and their 1.34 home runs per nine is the fifth worst uh, in the majors. And their uh, F war as an as an entire unit is 0.4. Uh, so that's been a major issue for them. And you know, uh, normally a major strength. And like you know, when their offense has been struggling, and their offense also just hasn't been lighting the world on fire uh, over this time, and their pitching's been you know their starting rotation's been all right. The bullpen just hasn't really. Uh, delivered and it's not even really a case of like a lot of specific guys being terrible with the exception of maybe like Yanni Chirinos Uh, it's been that no one has really stepped up you know Pete Fairbanks who has only pitched uh, 12 innings in this span because he's been on and off the injured list uh, has been their most effective reliever with a 0.4 F war in two and a half months Uh, you know he does have a 288 FIP which is solid but like I mentioned that's only 12 and a third innings pitched uh, you know, all the guys that have pitched a lot of innings, like Colin Poche at 21, you know, he has a 391 FIP. That's only that's only going to give you a .2 F4. And yeah, he has a 257 ERA, but, you know, a reliever ERA is not the best metric to look at. Jason Adam, who is their closer coming into this year, he has a 461 FIP over his last 25 innings pitched. Uh, like, they just haven't really had anyone stepping up to the plate. Uh, or at least on the mound uh, in this span. And that's kind of been their biggest issue. Right. Yeah, it it, it is it is a correct uh, statement to say that they've become known for their bullpen, especially, you know, when they were making it far in the playoffs in 2020. And even going back to like 2019, they they, they were known for having a very good bullpen. Um, and I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering if part of that has to do with them having a little bit more responsibility. I know when... Uh, when when we talked about Drew Rasmussen going on the IL, you know, three weeks after Je- Jeffrey Springs also hit the IL with with Tommy John surgery, I was wondering, like, you know, maybe this can affect the bullpen because the starters, you know, there's res- less reliable starters to throw more innings. So I think more innings might be going to the bullpen and they might not be able to be as effective because maybe they're tired or maybe they just you know are are not used to this level of responsibility uh but you know i don't really have any numbers to back that up i don't even know if they've pitched necessarily more innings but it might be a you know it's it's a hypothesis to go off of yeah no i mean that's been i think you know that's that's the one thing where you expect the rays to have a good bullpen it's almost like a given and when they don't uh that's when you start to see major issues. You know, if that's not working, then what's going to? Uh, and I think that's been kind of the theme over these these couple of months now. And maybe, you know, it has been the offense specifically in July. But, uh, you know, when the ball is not going for you and you're the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to have a lot of trouble finding things to work as, as an entire team. Right. Especially this is a, you know, the, the Rays for a long time have been known as a very low budget but you know just construct the roster the right way type team and Mm -hmm. it doesn't cost that much to build a good bullpen and they've shown it time and time again just it seems like picking up guy picking guys off the street and you know transforming them into a guy that throws 99 and gets 15 strikeouts per nine you know that's that just seems to be 
Like, yeah, a They're random MO. guy with two first names. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Charles Frank. He's coming. He's coming up. He's mm-hmm. coming up soon. He's, <laughs> they uh, they picked him up off waivers from the Nationals and. There's... <laughs> and like he his velo- yeah his his fastball he's added four miles an hour to it he's also at like 300 rpm naturally somehow don't yeah, understand how I mean, that works like yes will it will it be tragic when he hits the 60-day il in may of 2025 yes but we have to we have to mm-hmm. appreciate him while he's there i mean it's, he's going to be so fun there's going to be so many pitching ninja videos of him it's going to be great yeah but but the Rays have not been produced. They haven't produced that guy this year. It's it seems. I don't know. It looked like Kevin Kelly was going to be that guy for a while, and ERA wise, he kind of still has been. But you know, I mean, it's not to the degree that they brought up. You know, like Jason Adam last year, or you know, any of the guys previously, Nick Anderson, uh, in twenty nineteen, Andrew Kittredge in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Right, and yeah, I, I mean. It's not just their fifth that's trailing also in this span, as you mentioned, uh, since May 12th. They're also, you know, 19th in ERA, which isn't as doesn't rank as lowly as the fifth, but I mean that's still below average. It's not necessarily that they're preventing a lot of runs either. Uh, they're still mm-hmm. below average at at preventing runs in this span uh, out of the bullpen. Um, and yeah, I I mean it uh I think there's definitely some some action they can take at the deadline, but I think when you're talking raise and deadline, bullpen has never been a thing that they've talked about, but uh this year it's gonna have to be. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, but I'm I'm you know, the 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 names out on the bullpen market are never very big unless it's unless there's some closer out there. And if there was a big closer out there. I don't think the Rays would go and get him, but they could they could find some guy that their team is looking at where it's like, all right, you know, maybe he has a 4-1 ERA right now, but we have some data to point out that like we could transform and transform him into a really good uh reliever here. Yeah, the the issue is the Orioles have already done that with Shintaro Fujinami, who is like who is exclusively that guy. Like he has an 857 yeah. ERA, but he's actually been a really good over June, July, and he also has like a 99 mile an hour fastball with movements so that somehow people were hitting. Yeah, that's, like early on. That's uh, that's very true. Um, sh- yeah, we could probably get into the. Uh, do you want to get into the Orioles now? Uh, do you want to stay? Do you want to do the Yankees now? Since we're kind of on the topic of struggling teams. Yeah, that yeah that works. And then for we'll, me. we'll that finish works off me. on a positive note before going into players to highlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that you know. I can I can definitely vibe with that. So um we'll keep we'll keep things negative for now, but we will we will we will get positive eventually. So the Rays have lost nine out of eleven, and the Yankees or no, the Rays have lost twelve out of fifteen. The Yankees have lost nine have out lost. of eleven. Uh and, and they've also uh, they, lost uh eleven out of seventeen overall in the month of July. Right, right. Uh, they've lost 11 out of 17, and they've gone 15 and 22 since Aaron Judge went down with an injury. Uh, so they were kind of treading water, um, and then all of a sudden they've lost nine out of nine out of 11, which has, you know, turned them into a, you know, turned them three. They're only three games above 500, and uh, they're also you know out of a playoff spot if the season ended today. What have you been thinking about the Yankees? 
it's been certainly a combination of things, uh, but overall it's their pitching uh, as an entire unit. Uh, really, Garrett Cole is is the Yankees pitching staff. They would be somehow a thousand times worse even if he wasn't there. Um, in July specifically, they have the second worst bullpen in the league by F4, uh, only ahead of, like I mentioned, the Los Angeles Angels who have been just dreadful uh, in this time. They have a 528 bullpen ERA in July, a 555 FIP, uh, 5.72 walks per nine. Most specifically, has been uh, you know an issue. You know, as a like walks, I think are just generally a lot more elevated as a reliever. Like looking into more mental side of things, like there's just a lot worse. It's a lot worse to walk people as a reliever than it is a starter. I don't know how to else to explain that, um, but. Uh, that's been the issue kind of throughout. Uh, biggest culprit has been Michael King. Uh, over this time, over the span, he's a 4.35 ERA and a six FIP in ten innings pitched, five games appeared in. Uh, you know he does have the strikeouts, but he's walked four and a four point three per nine and given up one point seven four home runs per nine, uh, which has been you know kind of an issue. Uh, also, your guy Chris Ron Marinaccio, ten point two nine walks per nine in seven innings pitched, a seven fourteen FIP. Uh, that's a problem, you know. Like the like, no one has really like I mentioned stepped up in this bullpen outside of you could say Wandy Peralta, uh, and kind of that's about it. Right, right. Um, yeah, and and the Yankees, and the Yankees at least last year, like a lot of their success came from that bullpen. Uh, you know, Holmes. Holmes, Peralta, and King for the first half of the year were like, you know, those were, those were the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know what's been well publicized, and it's almost cliche to talk about uh, on this show, but like, you know, the Yankees are are a far different team without Aaron Judge. I think I don't think mm-hmm. either of us would disagree with that notion, and and you know, I, I yeah, think it and makes- I think we all agreed with that. I think that was something we kind of agreed about going into the season was that Garrett Cole or Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge really carried that offense down the stretch last year when they were struggling. You know, it took it like, you know, he was on like an immaculate run in like July through the end of the season. And even then the Yankees were like kind of hovering 500 or like just barely above it in that time. Like, you know, I mentioned like from in the second half, like he had like half of the Yankees F4 or whatever. Uh, position player wise uh, and you know they didn't really add to that offense in the offseason they kind of just kept judge around um, so they kind of rolled out the same lineup that you know got swept by the Astros and primarily because of their offense uh, they added to their starting pitching which hasn't helped Carlos Rodon has not been good uh, in the three starts that he's made Luis Severino has not been the same guy that he was before the injury um, you know Domingo Herman's been inconsistent obviously he did throw a perfect game but uh, other than that, you know, we just haven't seen uh, a ton of dominance out of him. Uh, and then, you know, Clark Schmidt, uh, he had a good ERA run for a while, but his last two starts, he's been uh, a little bit worse. He's given up a few home runs. Uh, he does a very good strikeout to walk numbers, but he hasn't been keeping the ball in the yard. Uh, but Garrett Cole has been actually carrying this rotation entirely himself. Uh, yeah, right. It, like, uh yeah, and and heading yeah heading into the year, you know we we both picked the Yankees second place. Part of that had to do with, uh, the, you know the Blue Jays. We thought there was more, you know, there was more potential with the Blue Jays that they weren't showing us last year. Um, and you know mm-hmm. it 
it's sort of been it's been a little bit of the same this year, although they're I think five and a half out of the AL East and they're in a wild card spot. So they're doing they're doing fine. But with the Yankees, we were like, you know, there there was some overperformance last year. And we we talked about how even if Aaron Judge, you know, if he played out this whole healthy year and was you know, three to, and he was, you know, an MVP caliber player. He still could be, you know, three to four wins, three to worth three to four wins less. Uh, and, you know, it's been exaggerated this year because he's literally not in the lineup. He hasn't been in the lineups for a month and a half here. But uh, we talked about like, you know, you can't rely on Nestor Cortez going out there with a sub two five year, right? You know, this upcoming year and you can't rely on Anthony Rizzo being a guy with like a 130 OPS plus you know you can't rely on these things so that's why we expected Mm -hmm. a little bit of you know digression this year yeah no no, I I agree uh no one else on the offense has been able to step up in judge's absence uh Rizzo specifically has like a 190 slugging in his last like 30 something games which has been pretty devastatingly bad for the Yankees um yeah, right. really only Glaber Torres has been like kind of decent, but that's it. Um, right. And uh, you know, breaking down what the what the Yankees offense has done in Judge's absence, I think that these stats have been all over, but uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about them. They are last in average, which is the most important thing. Just kidding. But uh they all also are second, they have the second worst uh on base percentage and fourth worst slugging percentage. I think bottom three OPS uh in this in the span where judge uh where judge was initially injured um and then looking individually at that uh anthony rizzo as you mentioned massively struggling since judge got injured anthony rizzo is hitting 158 with a 484 ops a 200 slugging which is right around what you said um in in your span uh as well you know john carlos stanton who was a uh slightly alarming of yours this year uh, he has a uh, 162 batting average and 639 OPS uh, since Judge got injured. DJ LeMahieu only hitting 208 with a 560 OPS. And you're looking at Rizzo, Stanton, and LeMahieu. These are all guys that they acquired and pay a lot of money, uh, which is, you know, mm-hmm. it's a real shame, you know, for looking at it from an executive point of view. Uh, they're all guys that, yeah, the, the Yankees paid a lot of money. They're guys, you know, in their low to mid thirties too, you know, you, you, but you would expect more production out of them and and they're just not giving it. Yeah. That's been a lot of the, that's been kind of the root of the issues. And that doesn't even go into Josh Donaldson as well, who who is now on the 60 day IL. uh, But, and I know that he had, you know, his, his expected numbers were a lot better and whatever, but you know, they not only did they, not only are they paying him a lot of money, but they, you know, they traded two of their assets uh, to get him and Isaiah Connor Falefa. Uh, Josh Donaldson, you know, has put up a 92 OPS plus with the Yankees and 666 plate appearances. IKF, we also know about, and that's, you know, that is what it is. But, you know, that's another guy where the Yankees are paying him $21 million this year uh, to get, or, you know, however, however much of that contract they're paying him uh, to be a below average bat with a 142 batting average, a 225 on base. Um, he did have, what was it like his 15 hits, 10 of them being home runs, which is pretty cool. But you know, when you have a 142 batting average, like that's only going to hurt your slugging and the rest of your stats. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a, he has an above average strikeout rate in the span. Yes. Donaldson does. 
Um, so, you know, that that takes away from the probability of having stuff land as hits, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, what's kind of funny here is looking at, you know, being on fan graphs and looking at the uh, at the at the statistics since, you know, June 4th, which is judges first day not playing. Um, mm-hmm. But there are 10 Yankees batters with 80 plus plate appearances and their best OPSs are coming from. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, Glaber Torres, and Billy McKinney at 780, 746, and 741, respectively. And shout out to those guys for doing well offensively, but you don't want them to be your three best guys, especially when they're not uh, overperforming yeah. by that much. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like they're absolutely lighting the world on fire and being some of the best bats in the league. They're kind of just like passable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, IKF, 780 OPS. That's that's pretty cool, but it's not this wild transformation. Whereas, yeah, mm-hmm. like you'd expect, you you would want you know Lemayhu, uh, Rizzo, and Stanton being at the top of that list, but they're they're struggling mightily. They all have OPSs below six fifty um, since Judge uh, got injured. So yeah, um, tough stuff for the Yankees. Um, I mean, so just outlooking them so they're they're three games above 500 i need to double check to see where they are um where they are in the standings uh they're they're very far out in the al east they're nine and a half out in the al east uh last place but you know that doesn't mean that much in the uh in the al east they are four games out of a wild card spot so you know, judge, I'm, I've been following the judge news quickly for my own personal biases uh, because mm-hmm. he's on my F4 team. But um, there is positive news coming out of that. It's possible that he might come back um, probably like this time in this time of the month in August or maybe a b- little bit earlier in August. Um, so what like what do you think the you know, what do you, what do the Yankees need to do to stay in playoff contention uh, in order for them to have a chance when judge gets back and like what are the odds that they do you know get a playoff spot once judge comes back well i mean it certainly depends on the kind of position that they're in you know come the judge coming back because by that point you know you're only gonna have like six weeks or so left in the season and obviously they're in a very stacked al where the blue jays can get hot at any moment and and pull away the red Sox could get hot and pull away uh even like you know the astros and like they still haven't you know really turned it on yet I- I think they have the third wild card spot right now. Like, you know, they're still, you know, the Yankees are almost kind of lucky to be uh, this close in the playoff picture with how teams like the Astros just haven't been performing as well as expected. Same with the Blue Jays. Um, and I think the the biggest thing is the trade deadline. You know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do. I know that the media has forced them to be linked to Shohei Otani. I really do not think that's going to happen. I uh, specifically, I mean, I don't think Shohei gets traded to begin with, but if they, if he does, I don't think it's to the Yankees. I just don't think that they have uh, sufficient enough prospects to be able to get it done, even if it's just for two months. Um, but Hey, you know, you need to make sure, but everyone needs to know the Yankees are in on them because uh, that's what everyone wants in the media. Duster only specifically. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they've, they've absolutely forced that narrative so hard. They want it so bad. Yeah, he'd look good in pinstripes. Yeah, That's... he's also like, he's he's so he so clearly doesn't want to play in New York. Like, first of all, the Yankees were like the favorite to get him when he first was coming over, 
And he was, and he straight up was like, oh yeah, no, I'm actually not playing in New York. Like I'm not doing that. Like I will look <laughs> elsewhere before there was even like offers on the table. Um, also, I don't know if you saw this, but like, this is, I mean, this could just be speculation, but like he, he homered against the Yankees the other day and like bad flipped more than usual. And it's like, yeah, he, he doesn't want to play for the Yankees. <laughs> like right. that one meant something to him. That one yeah, meant something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, he's not, I, I really don't see it happening. Um, I like this trade deadline is just so weird because like, there's not really a lot of big names that move me uh, that are on the market because everyone that's, cause like a lot of the bad teams are just so young. Like the pirates, for instance, it's like, but obviously not trading Brian Reynolds because they just extended him. Uh, they're not trading like, you know, any of their young guys because they're still very much in the development process of those guys. Um, the only teams I think that really have interesting assets are like the Cardinals and the like White Sox. Right. And even with the, even with the Cardinals, like, you know, I could see them selling a little bit, but I don't think they're really giving up on anything beyond this year, considering the talent that they do have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I could, yeah. I mean, like, I don't see, I know that uh, like they have come out and said, like, we're putting everything on the table including like Arnato and Goldschmidt. I still don't see that happening to be honest. Yeah. That, that uh, and also I think weird to me. Yeah. And also I think Corbin Burns off the table now, maybe he was never on it, but the Brewers are actually like in first place and like the division is theirs to lose. So, you know, that was, a, that was a conspiracy theory I had, but I, I think, I think it went from like 5% to 0% since the all-star break. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like Dylan yeah, Cease uh, yeah, the, is probably the best pitcher out there. Um, sorry, who is that? I think Dylan Cease is the best pitcher out there. Um, mm-hmm. just looking at the White Sox, White Sox specifically, like I don't think they trade Luis Robert. Maybe they trade Eloy, just because he hasn't been like as amazing, and he's you know probably around arb eligible now. He's got to be yeah, in what is yeah he's got to be in his fourth year of service time, right? Right. The the White Sox are so are so weird to me. Like it's it's it can't be emphasized enough how much of a failure they've been this year. Like the the AL Central has been such a cesspool of mediocrity and the White Sox have been even worse than than mediocre. You know, they're the, 40 the yeah, they're team. worse than the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. yeah, they're worse than the Detroit Tigers this year, which is unfortunate. And you can't you can't really blame, you know, you could blame blame it on management, but it's not obvious like with what it was with Tony Larusa. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the players have been not playing well, and I I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know what the deal is. I think they they they're not hitting for power as much uh, outside of like Luis Robert. Um, you know, Tim Anderson and Andrew Benintendi are out there hitting like a combined like two homers or something like that. Um, Tim Anderson has been a disaster this year. Yeah, he he has been. He was a slightly alarming to mine earlier in the year. Yeah, the yeah. the White Sox have just been. They started the year bad, and they I've I've been. I was the most optimist about them before this season, but they have not. They have not, you know, really been. They just haven't been been that for. They haven't they haven't fulfilled my prediction at all, and haven't really no. come close to it this year. To be fair, I don't think anyone could have predicted this. Right. Yeah, like they you, went like they went what 81 and 81 last year and we saw it as a failure. 
Like, yeah, this is worse. This is worse, like way worse. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're probably selling already is, um, I really feel, I really feel for that fan base because yeah. they waited so long for the rebuild and the rebuild was going to be so effective and it looked like it was going to, like they had, all. I the was so in, in. Yeah. I was so in on the white Sox. Yeah. Yeah. They had all the pieces in place and they just never executed. And I don't know how much of the blame can even go to Tony LaRusa. It's just, it didn't work. I don't know what or it even, was. Or even Rick Hahn for that matter. Right. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, flipping like Jose Quintana for Eloy and Cease was awesome. Uh, right. Like that was sick, you know, getting flipping Chris Sale for Moncada. I know he hasn't been fantastic, but he had his moments. And like, I think that was an overall successful trade for the White Sox. Yeah. And they got Kopech out of that too. Yeah. They got Kopech out of that too, who has had his moments and had his struggles. Um, he also had Tommy John surgery, which is just very unfit. Yeah, getting yeah, Giolito you know, for Eaton. Yeah, getting Giolito for Adam Eaton. Right. Like, I mean, the the pieces were there. It's just it just hasn't it hasn't come together. It came together for one division win in twenty twenty one, where mm-hmm. they were the third seed and then lost in four to the Astros. And that's that's been the highest potential the White Sox have reached, which is very unfortunate. I think I think the individual that deserves the most blame is probably Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, like just bringing in Larusa set the franchise back so far, especially with the hitting philosophy that came with him, because they really emphasized hitting for contact. Like, there's the famous like quote meme of the hitting coach saying like "F the home run, let's hit 300." Um, which <laughs> you know I, we see how that works in 2023. Um, yeah, that philosophy works, and I feel like maybe it's just stayed in the Pedro Grafol era. I mean, statistically, it's definitely stayed. I don't know if it's still being preached or not, but uh, yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf and his and his moves, I think, have set the organization back more than any individual over these these last two and a half years. Right, because even if even if uh, even if the GM does all the right things and and sets the team up, when when the when the manager hired isn't you know isn't ex isn't that well accepted by the players and you're having controversies in the first couple months. Like even if, even when that manager goes, there's something that can't really been, there's some, some energy that just can't be like brought back up potentially. And I don't know if maybe, maybe that was Pedro Griffal's role was to, you know, bring them back to a place where they, you know, were able to believe in themselves. But if, if that was his role, it just hasn't, it hasn't been fulfilled yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's just been strange to watch them fall apart this year. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this all stemmed from uh, what the Yankees were doing. But yep. I mean, yeah, I think I think we covered everything with the Yankees uh, and I guess the White Sox, too. But they needed to be talked about. We talked about we haven't talked about the White Sox since we were on campus. And it's it's yeah. uh it's been wild what they it's been wild what they haven't done is kind of what what the precedent is there so mm-hmm. um yeah we'll we'll talk about we'll talk more about them at the trade deadline cuz i'm sure they'll be active but uh with another team that will be active at the trade deadline uh hopefully 
I guess the fan base is hoping for that, uh, is the Baltimore Orioles, who, as we mentioned previously in the show, have overtaken the Rays uh, as the American League East uh, first placers. I started that sentence weird, so I Mm -hmm. ended it. I made sure to end it weird as well. But they are in first place in the American League East, uh, sole possession of it. And they have won 10 of their last 12 in order to get there. As I mentioned, they started July uh, six and a half games out of the division. So a combination of them doing well and the Rays doing poorly has gotten them into first place. What have you been thinking about the O's? The O's have been, I mean, yeah, they've been rolling uh, for really just the entire month of July. Um, and yeah, they, you know, it's, it's convenient for them that they got hot uh, in the moment where the Rays got really cold. Uh, I think there's just been such a pendulum swing there. Uh, looking specifically uh, with what's been going right for them, you know, the offense has been solid. They have a 112 weighted runs created plus uh, in the month of July. That is, uh, you know, towards the top of the league. Um, and looking specifically at some bats, Anthony Santander uh, has been killing it in 68 plate appearances, a 179 weighted runs created plus. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, we're kind of seeing the breakout right right in front of our, our eyes. Uh, you know, he might be really entering the the uh, race for AL Rookie of the Year with a 144 weighted runs created plus in July, and his success goes way beyond that. Uh, Adley Rutschman's been solid. Obviously, Ryan O'Hearn has been a good bat for them with a 133 weighted runs created plus. Uh, and they just had a lot go. They've just not going right for them specifically on offense. Uh, yeah. What about you? Yeah. And, and yeah, when you break, when you break it down to this 12 game span, the numbers get even better. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Anthony, you know, Santander's uh, weighted runs created plus in this, uh, in this 12 game span is 195. Henderson's is at 190 and their respective OPSs are 1078 and 1090 which is pretty unbelievable. They're slugging. They're both slugging well over 600 in the la- in the team's last 12 games. Uh, Santander, like, I think, you know, shout out to um, alum of the show, Foolish Bailey. He was very optimistic about Anthony Santander. It was one of his five hitters that he liked heading into the season. And we're kind of seeing why. Mm-hmm. And I think part of, part of what he liked about Santander was very good strikeout and walk numbers while being able to barrel up the ball pretty well. I think he's a pretty good fly ball hitter as well. And that's why he's been, you know, he's been using that effectively and that's why he's been slugging so well. He's slugging, you know, I think, yeah, as I mentioned, he is slugging, uh, you know, uh, 632 in his last 12 games uh, and getting on base at a 447 clip also with a 14.9% walk rate. Pretty unbelievable. Um, it uh, And I wanted to look at their pitching because they're also only allowing 3.6 runs per game in this span, in this 12-game span. But yeah, they're, they're scoring over six runs per game in the last 12 games, um, which is very nice. And that's not been against any necessarily slouches. I mean, they beat the Rays yesterday. They played the, uh, they played the Dodgers, and I believe, did they win that series against the Dodgers? I have to imagine they did. I think so. Yeah. It, yeah, unless... I don't know. I haven't uh I saw James Altman homered to to left, which is very cool. First lefty to ever do it. That that is very impressive. Yeah. That's the that only thing very I, impressive. I saw. I, I'm gonna be honest, I have not been able to watch a ton of major league baseball in the last month and a half. Right. But I yeah. did try to check out on that series. Yeah, I mean that was 
that was a premier series to watch and uh no they lost that series they just had a really long win streak uh that preceded it but yeah they they won the last game of that series against the dodgers uh they swept miami who you know believe it or not is a playoff contender they swept minnesota who is leading the al central and uh they they started this by winning two in a row against the Yankees to salvage a split in that series, you know, the Yankees in the Bronx, you know, even if they're without judge, they're still the Yankees in the Bronx um, mm-hmm. who, you know, kind of just started faltering around the point where the Orioles or around the point where the Orioles started getting hot. And with Baltimore also, what should be noted is one of their, you know, one of their uh, great assets or maybe the best part of their team is, is their bullpen. Uh, they have a 2.75 ERA in in their last 12 games, uh, 3.36 FIP to go with that. You know we know how spectacular Felix Batista it has been and how spectacular Yanir Cano has been, but uh, you know that that bullpen as a unit is just fantastic. And um, and yeah, I mean it's crazy that they are. You know we both predicted them last place, but here they are in first place. Pretty unbelievable how they've been able to maintain their success that they carried over from like the start of June last year. But um, I mean, like, I think this comes to the complicated question of what they do at the deadline, you know, considering also, you know, there is there isn't much to get at the deadline, but how much do they want to, you know, sacrifice that amazing farm system to potentially add uh, a piece that could that could uh, that could, you know, get them more World Series? Yeah, I mean, they've certainly been the surprise team of the year uh or at least one of them i i think this team is maybe a bat and a starting pitcher away from being a legitimate world series contender i think if you put their bullpen in the playoffs as is it's one of the best bullpens that we're going to see in october um yeah i think they could use another bat and then they could use another starting pitcher and the benefit to this team is like there's you know it's become such a pitcher's park that they can kind of lower their standards on what kind of starting pitcher they need. Like, look at a guy like Lucas Giolito, for instance. He's been struggling lately, and he just hasn't been the same guy that he was in, like, 2021 or whatever. Um, But a lot of his problem has been the home run ball. And, you know, if you put him in Camden Yards, uh, that's going to make him a lot better. And it'll probably give him a lot more confidence, and it can help him maybe even get back to where he was at his peak within, like, 2020 to 2021 when he was just one of the better pitchers in the league. I mean, like, you look at his numbers this year. He has a 3.13 strikeout per to walk ratio, uh, but 1.6 home runs per nine. Like, let's say he cuts that to, I don't know, like, 0.9 or whatever uh, because he's giving up less home runs in Baltimore. That's going to make him an infinitely better pitcher overall. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, not that they're using these numbers, but I'm sure that, you know, the Orioles might get a guy or two that have really good X FIPs as opposed mm-hmm. to FIPs. You know, the X FIP, if you're, you know, if anyone's listening uh, is trying to figure out what X FIP is, uh, well, FIP is the ER, an ERA predictor based off of strikeouts, walks, home runs, and X FIP is a FIP predictor based on, uh, home run to fly ball ratio and when you know when you're playing in Baltimore and maybe you're giving up more uh more hard fly balls to righties uh you might have a you you know you might you're you're gonna have a lower home run to fly ball ratio as opposed to a normal stadium 
obviously Baltimore has created this, you know, crazy thing for right-handed hitters. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think what Orioles pitcher or what Orioles management might be looking at is, you know, guys who, if you decrease their home run to fly ball ratio by a lot, they turn maybe into elite pitchers like Lucas Giolito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree with that. I think, like I said, that kind of lowers the standard of what the Orioles are looking for. You know, if home runs are an issue, that's something that they can fix just naturally. Uh, you know, they can look for guys. And Giolito is a guy that, you, you know, you can buy low on. Uh, he's obviously been struggling a lot this year. Plus, he's a rental. And the Orioles have such an incredible farm system that they can really uh, – they can really make it happen without giving up anything that's too consequential to them. Uh, I, I think that's the most obvious move to me. If you're, if you're the Orioles is go out and get that guy. Um, and, you know, as far as bats, I don't think you need to do anything too crazy. Um, you know, you already have a lot of guys that uh, can do it. I'd say maybe someone with postseason experience to, to sort of lead that, uh, you know, have that veteran presence because, I mean, if I'm looking at the team right now, you know, it's a lot of guys that are young, a lot of guys that have been with the Orioles even through the the hard days of like 2018 to 21, you know, not a lot of guys with playoff experience. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the lineup right now and it's like, you know, Adley, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Gunnar Henderson, all of which certainly don't have playoff experience. I would say if anything, try to go out and get a shortstop because, Jorge Mateo has not been really cutting it lately. Uh, I don't really know who's out there off the top of my head, though. Right. Um, I just go not even for me, not even considering players that could potentially be out there. But I think for the Orioles specifically with a bat, you might want to get a uh, a right handed bat to kind of complete the lineup. They have some really good like switch hitters with Adley Rutschman and Anthony Santander, but uh, you know Ryan Mount Mountcastle hasn't been great this year, and obviously Baltimore affects him maybe more than anybody in the league. Uh, and Austin Hayes has been good, but I think another right-handed bat could kind of complete the lineup uh, because yeah, you know, I agree. Ryan, this guy Ryan O'Hearn, who I learned was on the team like yesterday. I guess I haven't been watching enough of enough of the Orioles, but he's been a great left-handed bat for them. He's hitting 305 with an 859 OPS out there. Um, So he's, you know, with left-handed bats, you know, if you consider, if you can consider Rutschman and Santander left-handed bats along with, uh, along with Ryan O'Hearn, I think they seem good over there. Whereas, yeah, I think they could maybe use another right-hander, but no specific names come to mind for me. Yeah, I I agree. This, this market, this trade deadline is going to be interesting because they're just, I don't think there's a whole lot of names out there. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think that's why as a show, we haven't really done any like mm-hmm. trade deadline breakdowns or anything. Like we did that, we did that in 2021 and it ended up being the greatest trade trade deadline of all time. Uh, whereas yeah, yeah this year <laughs> you're not going to see future hall of famers going on the market unless Otani is is one of those guys which, which is i don't unlikely. think he is or soda or even soda which i don't think soda goes on the market either i know i think that's another yeah. thing that the media has been hyping up i don't think the padres have ever given us any reason to believe they would uh be trading juan soto yeah i mean kind of just looking at like the f4 leaders right now and it's like luis robert don't think he gets traded i, I think the white Sox hold on to him i think he's the only guy to consider untouchable um yeah anyone else like good players on bad teams like 
dude, is, is it anyone standing out? Maybe like Ha Sung Kim could be a guy. Yeah. Could be I a name. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a guy that the Orioles could go out and get. That, right. that could be honestly, that might be that might be a name for the Orioles. Right. He's he's yeah, he's been good. He's been good with the bat as well as an elite defender. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder how he compares to Mateo defensively. Like I I know he's better, but how but like by how much? How much better? Yeah, probably not a ton, but definitely significantly enough, especially with the offensive difference there. Um, yeah, not a power bat, but I don't think you're asking him to be that. He, um and yeah. also, I think he's going to cost a little more just because he has more control, even if he's on a contract. Uh, his AAV is 7 mil, so I don't know. He's, right. It would be a it would be a year and a half of, of Ha Sung Kim. There was a 2025 mutual option, but those are literally never accepted. So, yeah, I don't know. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, with Kim... Um, I think, yeah, he, he'd definitely be an upgrade over Adam Frazier at second base, um, mm-hmm. in both respects. So there's, there is that. And also with Kim is it's like, he's a right-handed hitter, but he doesn't, he's not really going to get affected by Baltimore too much because he's a more of a contact guy. He'll get on base. He's not going to slug a lot, but he'll get on base. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel that's like a potential option. Another potential back could be Cody Bellinger. True. Yeah. He's been hitting very well all season and specifically like in the recent past. Yeah, I saw it. Grand slam. So that's one that you could go for. Yeah, he had a he had a grand slam off James Paxton and I yeah witnessed it with my own two eyes. But uh I did see the Red Sox hit a grand slam the next day. So it all evened out. It was it was funny. I watched the Red Sox lose by six and then win by six. So um yeah, run differential zero run differential zero when the when the pythagorean and real record match that's just that's that's baseball right there perfect um, yeah so it's baseball and it's so like on baseball it is very on baseball yeah you figure yeah there, there'd be something uneven there um all right so yeah anything more before we head into players to highlight i think that's kind of everything all right. Well, now we will get into um we will get into a, a very optimist, you know, our positive vibes, good vibes with our Friday, July 21, 2023 edition of How About That. He's striking out less, walking more, and he's also making better contact. Turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year. He is getting a How about that? Yeah, so my how about that for today uh, is Chaz McCormick of the Houston Astros. Uh, I have a feeling you might have the same guy. I think it's very possible. But throughout the month of July, he is slashing 400, 491, 822 for a 1313 OPS and a 257 weighted runs created plus. Uh, Throughout this month, he leads the majors in on-base, slugging, OPS, and weighted runs created plus, and his 1.3 F4 is tied for third amongst all position players, which is excellent. Uh, sorry, no, it is tied for the lead amongst all position players. My bad. He is tied for being the best position player in baseball over the span. Uh, he also has a 422 isolated power, which is the fourth highest, because he has a 481 
uh, BABIP in the span, which you might look at and say, oh, he's getting lucky. And maybe that's true, but he's also driving the ball just as well as just about anyone in the league, which is key. Uh, so before this span, uh, he had a line drive rate of 22.6%. And in this span, it is up to 31.3%, which is a significant increase. Uh, his fly ball rate has remained relatively the same, but the average exit velocity on his fly balls has gone from 93 miles per hour to 99 miles per hour, a six mile per hour increase. Uh, that's the difference between having a home run to fly ball ratio of 44.1% and 62.5%, which is one of the highest in the league. Uh, he also has a sweet spot rate of 50% in the month of July. That is tied for the third highest among the 229 hitters with at least 25 bad balls in the span. Uh, his hard hit rate has also gone from 33% to 43.8% in this span. His out-of-zone swing rate has gone from 29.5% to 21.8%. And lastly, his barrel rate has gone from 8.5% to 18.8% uh, before the span and in this span. So Chas McCormick, uh, yes, he has a high BABIP, but he's made, making the right kind of contact. He's hitting the ball harder. He's placing the ball a lot better. And because of it, he's been one of the best players in all of baseball throughout the month of July. Yeah, Chas McCormick. How about that? Yeah, and, and when a guy has a high BABIP, but also he's making the right kind of contact. He's hitting the ball hard and he's hitting it in the sweet spot zone. Like you can, that makes sense with a high BABIP. It's, it's when you have a high BABIP, but you have like a 50% ground ball rate. That's when, that's when you get fishy and it's like, ah, oh, this guy's not, you know, this guy's not actually doing well. Whereas yeah, Chaz McCormick has a 50% sweet spot rate. Of course, he's going to have a higher BABIP because he's hitting it in the right, in the right zones. He's hitting probably more line drives. Um, and as well as, you know, hard fly balls, as you mentioned, a lot of extra base hits coming from him. Uh, my, how about that? Um, splash, because it is a reliever diving ah. time. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty unbelievable what this guy is doing. And I kind of considered him mostly like a no-name uh, up to this point. However, Tanner Scott has been lighting the world on fire uh, with what he's been able to do. Uh, Tanner Scott of the Miami Marlins, left-handed reliever in his last 28 appearances. He has a 1.26 ERA, a 1.06 FIP, 42% strikeout rate in 28 and two-thirds innings pitched. And out of 185 qualifying relievers in this span, his he is 12th in ERA, third in strikeout rate, third in strikeout minus walk rate, and first in FIP. This is a two-month span where he is first among relievers in FIP. Uh, along with that, Tanner Scott, out of uh, 231 pitchers with 400 plus pitches thrown in the span. He is sixth in expected batting average, second in expected slugging, and second in expected WOBA. Uh, his strikeout rate has gone from 31% before the span to 42% in this span, and his walk rate has gone from 13% to 13% uh, to 8%, which pushes his strikeout minus walk rate from 18% before the span up to 34%. In this span, mind you, the league average strikeout minus walk rate is around 14%, and he's at 34% in this span. Uh, along with that, Tanner Scott's whiff rate has gone from 27% to 44%. And out of 212 pitchers with 200 plus swings against them in this span, his whiff rate ranks second. And his whiff rate on his slider has gone from 33% up to 49%. And out of 68 pitchers with 100 plus swings against sliders in the span, his whiff rate 
ranks fourth. Uh, along with he's a two pitch pitcher, and his other pitch has also been getting way more swings and misses. Tanner squat Tanner Scott's whiff rate on his four seamer has gone from 17% before the span to 37%, more than doubled in the span. And uh, out of 144 pitchers with 100 plus swings against four seamers in the span, his whiff rate ranks third on four seamers. Along with that, Tanner Scott has been getting hitters to swing a lot more out of the zone. His chase rate has gone from 24% to 40%. Out of 239 pitchers with 200 plus pitches out of the zone in this span, his chase rate ranks second. And uh, along with him getting way more swings and misses on both of his pitches, getting way more chases, and also getting less walks, he is also doing much better in the contact department. His average exit velocity has gone from his average exit velocity against has gone from 86.2 miles per hour to 82.4 miles per hour. Out of 352 pitchers with 50 plus batted balls against in this span, his average exit velocity is fourth lowest. That's out of 352. That's about top 1% of all pitchers in average exit velocity on top of all the strikeout rate stuff and swing and miss stuff. Uh, along with that, Tanner Scott's sweet spot rate has gone from 44% to 33% in the span. And in 55 batted balls allowed in the span, he has one barrel and zero home runs allowed. So Tanner Scott just has been lighting the world on fire uh, as a lefty in that Marlins bullpen and has turned into like the most elite reliever in baseball, maybe outside of Felix Batista in this span, which is unbelievable to say. Uh, considering we didn't really, you didn't really hear much about this guy. Uh, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it that more well known. So uh, Tanner Scott getting a. How about that? Uh, so yeah, that will move us on to uh, players to highlight for worse reasons, um, where we will get into the uh, Friday, July 21, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. He's been barreling up the ball way less. He's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground, and people are hitting it in the air more. It's been so bad. He is getting a... Slightly alarming. So from slightly alarming, I'm actually going to stay in the same division uh, in the ALS. Bringing back a slightly alarming from last season. Talking about Ty France of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I feel like the Mariners have just been racking up slightly alarmings recently and just in general in this season, and Ty France is certainly one of them. Going, going back to June 24th, he is slashing 120, 185, 147 for a 332 OPS and a minus two weighted runs created plus and negative 0.9 F4. He ranks dead last among all qualifiers, average OBP, OPS, and F4, and he is second worst in slugging percentage and weighted runs created plus. Uh, so he's been kind of dreadful over the last month or so. Uh, among the 136 players with at least 50 batted balls in this span, his expected batting average of 191 is the third worst. His expected slugging of 277 is the fourth worst. And his 240 expected weighted on base average is tied for third worst. Uh, so even by expected numbers, he's been one of the worst hitters in the league. Um, but before this span, he had a line drive rate of 20%. And in this span, it is down to just 18.5%. And also before this span, 
Uh, his fly ball rate went from 21.9% to 24.1%, which is a slight increase. And for a guy with like Ty France, who does have power, uh, that look might be a good thing. But the problem is that 69.2% of his fly balls have gone to the opposite field. And that is the sixth highest rate among the 205 hitters with at least 10 fly balls. Uh, you know, like hitting fly balls to the opposite field kind of just drains a lot of your power. And Ty France is not the most powerful guy. He does have it. But, you know, when you think of his assets, I don't know if power is the first one that comes to mind. But, you know, you're, he's taking away a lot of his the power that he does have by hitting the ball in the air consistently to the opposite field. He's had a lot of balls die on the warning track. Uh, and that's a large reason why he's been one of the worst hitters over the last month. Yeah, Ty France getting a slightly alarming um yeah that that is uh that's rough and i i actually for some reason i was i was doing random uh like research on like league data and seeing like exit velocity on pulled fly balls as opposed to opposite field fly balls and the difference is major and i want to just double check to see Mm -hmm. just to add to your uh add to your point here um just looking at yeah fly balls batted ball direction pull um because yeah i mean it's it's quite the difference between an opposite field fly ball and a and a pulled fly ball yeah average exit velocity on pulled fly balls is 95.4 miles per hour and league average uh league average exit velocity on opposite field fly balls is 88.9 miles per hour so it's a six point uh five mile per hour difference in exit velocity between um pulled and opposite field home uh, opposite field fly balls so that's a major difference um and i think that applies to most hitters is you're going to hit it weaker when you hit it to the opposite field um especially on fly balls so that leads into my slightly alarming um and for i think the first time for either of us i am doing a subject um and I'm talking about the Angels bullpen, which might be a little weird because, uh, you know, we didn't really expect anything out of the Angels bullpen, but they have been pretty atrocious in the month of July. And part of pro- probably a big reason why they've been, you know, falling in the standings, especially in the uh, wild card standings. But the Angels bullpen in the month of July has an 8.03 ERA, 7.14 FIP. 6.4 walks per nine and 2.4 home runs per nine in 49 and a third innings pitched in Jul- in the month of July, the angels bullpens ERA is second worst and their FIP walks per nine and home runs per nine are all the worst. Uh, 12 angels relievers have thrown two and two thirds innings or more. And 10 of them have ERAs of 5.5 or higher. Uh, 5.5 ERA is not good. And 10 out of the 12 relievers, uh, 10 of the 12 significant relievers for the Angels uh, have ERAs at that or above that. And along with that, nine of those 12 Angels relievers I just mentioned have FIPs of five or higher. So, um, so yeah, it's it's not looking good for the Angels bullpen. Looking individually, uh, Jacob Webb ha- has the most innings in that bullpen. He has thrown seven innings, allowed five earned runs, six walks and two home runs. Aaron Loop has four earned runs in six and a third innings pitched in this span and uh, a 4.55 FIP. Carlos Estevez, you know, or Carlos Estevez, uh, their all-star reliever, he has three walks and a home run allowed 
in five innings pitched. And Chris uh, Devensky has been particularly atrocious. Uh, in the span, he has four and two-thirds innings pitched, nine earned runs allowed, three walks and two home runs for a 9.50 FIP, uh, along with a 17.36 ERA. So, yeah, the Angels' bullpen, uh, we, we didn't really have high expectations for them heading into the season, but they have, uh, they have you know, in the month of July, they have gone far below those low expectations. So they are getting a... Slightly alarming. Um, yeah, that'll do it for players or subjects to highlight because we do we do do subjects um all right so now we move on to the uh preview of the weekend ahead uh where i will look at the series to watch daniel will be looking at the day-by-day starting pitching matchups and um you know some of these series have already gotten underway uh including the premier series to watch but before i get into that uh i should tell you to uh, tune into Rangers Dodgers, who uh, you know two two division leading teams. Uh, Rangers, you know, coming off a sweep against the Rays, um, as we uh, we talked about the Rays earlier in the show. Uh, Rangers are four up on the Astros right now, which is pretty cool. And yeah, the Dodgers um, and and the Rangers are hosting the Dodgers, so that'll be a that'll be a fun one. Also, the Brewers are hosting the Braves. Brewers are doing pretty well as of late they are two games up on the reds in the national league central and the braves of course have been on a you know a over month-long hot streak so and you know have solidified themselves as the best team in major league baseball but they are going to american family field and challenging the brewers and the premier series to watch is the rays and orioles the two best teams in the best division in baseball uh with with it being the american league east uh, you know, the Rays obviously struggling, as we mentioned, the Orioles obviously doing extremely well, as we mentioned, but, uh, you know, a lot can change here in these next three games. Maybe the Orioles are four games up on them at the end of the, at the end of this, or maybe the Rays take back the division. Who knows? There's a lot at stake here, especially heading into, into the trade deadline. Um, all right. So what do we have for these starting pitching matchups? So on Friday, we have, a. Uh... Jack Flaherty versus Justin Steele in Cardinals Cubs. That's a Wrigley Field. Of course, it's an afternoon game uh, with it being at Wrigley. Kyle Bradish versus Zach Eflin in Orioles Rays. That is in Tropicana Field. Braxton Garrett will be going for the Marlins against the Rockies uh, at Lone Depot Park. Uh, also, we will have um, Kodai Senga and Cutter Crawford facing each other in Mets Red Sox. That's going to be at Fenway. Ranger Suarez and Gavin Williams will face each other in Phillies Guardians. That's going to be in Cleveland. Uh, Tony Gonsolin versus Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney will be facing one of his former teams in Dodgers and Rangers. Uh, that's going to be in Texas. Um, Joe Ryan will be facing the White Sox for the Twins in Minnesota. Mike Soroka and Freddie Peralta will face each other in Braves Brewers. That is at American Family Field. Uh, Shohei Otani is pitching tonight against the Pirates uh, at the Big A for the Angels. Framber Valdez will be facing the Astros uh, or the A's for the Astros. Uh, I don't really have anything for matchup of the night, I'm going to be honest. Uh, to finish it off, Yusei Kikuchi and Bryce Miller will face each other in Blue Jays and Mariners. Uh, for matchup of the night, I guess I will go with Bradish versus Eflin just because it's a big, you know, it's a big matchup uh, in yeah. terms of teams. Uh, yeah. On Saturday, uh, perhaps the most important, we will have uh, Cameron Hill versus Joey DeCharo. 
to start out the Cape Cod Baseball League All-Star Game. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. Cameron Hill, of course, of the Katuit Ketaliers, rocking that 096 ERA this year. Uh, certainly a guy you're going to want to watch for uh, in a very exciting West versus East matchup. It's going to be at a White House Field in Harwich, Massachusetts. So definitely check that one out. Start time, 6.05 p.m. Uh, but on the major league side of things, we have Brady Singer versus Garrett Cole in Royals Yankees. We're going to have that's going to be at Yankee Stadium, by the way. Uh, Bobby Miller versus Dane Dunning in Dodgers Rangers. Uh, Max Serger versus James Paxton in uh, Mets Red Sox. Uh, we're going to go with oh Grayson Rodriguez versus Shane McClanahan in Orioles Rays, obviously in Tropicana. Um, Logan Webb versus Josiah Gray in Giants Nationals in Washington. Zach Wheeler versus Tanner Bybee in Phillies Guardians. Dylan Cease versus Sonny Gray in White Sox Twins. Uh, Christian Javier will be facing the A's for the Astros in Oakland. Uh, and Reed Detmers will be facing the Pirates for the Angels uh, at the Big A. And matchup of the night comes from Blue Jays Mariners in Seattle. It is Kevin Gosman versus Logan Gilbert. Yeah, those are two the guys. Northern, the Northern Invasion Series, as they call it. Those are two uh, guys Blue that do not enjoy walks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it for, is. Exactly. Uh, and then going into Sunday, finishing things off, it'll be Joe Musgrove facing the Tigers for the Pirates at Comerica Park. That'll be the 12:05 game. Uh, Mackenzie Gore will be facing the Giants for the Nationals in Washington. Uh, you will have Tyler Wells and Taj Bradley facing each other in Orioles Rays. Aaron Nola facing the Guardians for the Phillies uh, in Cleveland. Jesus Lazardo will be facing the uh, Rockies for the Marlins at home. Bryce Elder and Julio Tehran will face each other in Braves Brewers. Jordan Montgomery will face the Cubs for the Cardinals in Wrigley. Uh, Emmett Sheehan, who's been pitching very well lately, will face the Rangers for the Dodgers uh, in Texas. Mitch Keller and Tyler Anderson will face each other in Pirates and Angels. Uh, Alec Manoa and Brian Wu will face each other in Blue Jays Mariners. And matchup of the day comes from White Sox Twins. I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito versus Bailey Ober. Uh, Giolito, of course, a trade watch. Bailey Ober has been pitching extremely well lately, so I would watch those two. Yeah, two two very uh, contrasting pitching styles. Ober's low strikeout, low walk, and uh, and Giolito's high strikeout, but also sometimes high walk. Um, mm -hmm. All right. Well, that shall wrap up the 258th installment of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you uh, are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, it is called Above Replacement Radio. We also have a bunch of shorts on there. We also have playlists like the Baseball History Series, like also all of our guest interviews are all in one playlist now. I uh, don't know why I didn't do that earlier, but uh, you can check out all the interviews with you know Sarah Langs, Mark Simon multiple times, Chris Rose, Jeff Passan, uh, Amy Crawford, Marty Dobrow, all those wonderful, wonderful interviews that we've had. Foolish Bailey. Foolish coming ba soon as well. Yes, yes. Foolish, ba Foolish Bailey as well. Um, go check it out all on the YouTube channel. And uh, also... If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you and enjoyed real quick, this one. one
last thing. One last thing. If you're, I know I plugged this earlier, but if you're in the New England area uh, and you have nothing to do on a Saturday at 6 p.m., actually 7 p.m., it's going to be an hour delayed, but the Cape Cod Baseball League All-Star Game uh, will be shown on Nesson at 7 p.m. after the Red Sox and Mets game at 4 o'clock. Um, if you're in the area and interested, I highly recommend checking it out. There will be some future major leaguers in that game on both sides. Uh, also, uh, the Cape League will be doing a, uh, a YouTube live stream from, I believe, 11 or I believe 1 p.m. all the way around 7. Uh, I'm going to be popping in, popping in and out of that live stream. Uh, even if you're not there, even if I'm not there, we have some incredibly talented broadcasters over at the Cape League. So I would recommend checking that one out. We're going to have interviews with various all-stars. Uh, also, some MLB players are going to be in attendance. So uh, if you're in the area, even I would recommend checking it out. Tickets are $10 on the Cape League website. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really fun event. I'm stoked. Uh, and I think if you're interested, you should totally check it out. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you and go on the go on the Cape Cod League uh, website, look up Daniel Curran. There's a lot of articles that he's written this summer, including a a long one about uh, Travis Bazana. 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 Yeah, uh, that was that was some fine work. So go check that out uh, along with yeah, if you're interested all of his in, other work for him specifically. If you're interested in learning about a guy that could be uh, the number one overall pick in next year's draft maybe a top 10 pick, most likely a first round pick. I uh, highly recommend checking him out. A native of Australia. He started playing professional baseball at age 15. Uh, and he's fantastic person, fantastic player. That's one that I would check out for sure. Right. And also earlier in the summer, wrote about guys like Tino Martinez and Steve Ciszek, uh good mm -hmm. stories over there as well. So check out all of, uh, and you know, if you want to get Every, everything as it happens go to daniel's twitter it is at daniel underscore curran uh updating you on all all the work he's doing with the ccbl this year um so yeah and we hope you enjoyed this episode of above replacement radio and we will see you next time where we are talking all the happenings in major league baseball once again see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over